0: Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Routes, the program where we gather every day at this time. Well, we do it Monday through Friday anyway. And what we do when we gather is continue to address the issues between rural and urban America. You know what I meant to say, Jim? We address the issues between food producers and food consumers. Some habits are hard to break. It is a red shirt Friday and a topic that um, I've been looking forward to talking about for some time. And we are continuing to focus on helping kids. Kids need help. That's the moral of the story. We need to have better parents. We need to have better teachers. Actually, we need teachers without restrictions. But in today's case, we're talking to Jim Kenyon from, oh, I should have asked you, are you from Rapid City itself, Jim?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I live in Rapid City. Correct.
0: Ah, everybody wants to live in Rapid City and only the privileged few get to. That's what I say. Chairman of South Dakota Helping Kids. Tell us about the organization first.
1: Yeah, I mean Protecting South Dakota Kids is basically a group of a grassroots group that's grown up in response to um a, a initiative measure that was made in the state of South Dakota, basically pushed by the by the pot industry and, and marijuana industry. And they're trying to uh, legalize recreational marijuana in the state of South Dakota and mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, have kind of scrambled to our feet, and we're doing everything we can um, to protect our kids, our families, and our communities. Um, whole range of folks, um, Trent, that are on this. So we've got we've got teachers and educators, law enforcement. Um, we're going to be interviewing about six um, six physicians here locally, including some pediatricians. I'm a I'm an outpatient counselor. That's what I do, and run a Social service agency in Rapid City, South Dakota, um, and we're doing what we can to to try and tell a, a group of lobbyists who are trying to to decide what South Dakota marijuana laws should look like that they it's okay if they just head right back to Washington D.C. and uh, and uh, leave us alone.
0: <laughs> Would you tell those of us that don't understand terminology? I know what a counselor is. What does it mean when you're an outpatient counselor? You're you
1: outpatient. With people. Yeah. Yeah. Um basically I, I just work with people pretty much an hour a day. Um and most of what I do trend is I do marriage counseling. Mm. You know, my staff does a whole range of things. We work with kids in JDC that are off track and trying to get their life put back together. Um I do uh I do some some psychological evaluations trying to try and determine if people who have been put in the hospital because of risk of suicide or, or profound mental illness are, are ready to be released or safe to be released. Um, we just do a whole range of things, do a lot of parenting education. Mm-hmm. Yesterday I was up on Eagle Butte, um, doing some training in a residential treatment center for kids, trying to, trying to help them learn to identify suicide, which is a huge issue on our reservations and our rural communities in Western South Dakota. Um, so that's largely what we do. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It ties into, uh, I wish I would have met, we're, we're here now, so we won't wish our life away, but I wish I would have met you last week because this week on Monday in Mandan, North Dakota, I organized the first man march, because much of what you're talking about here is a result of the male in the family unit being demonized and incentivized not to even be a part of the family unit. Since 2000, basically 45% of all childbirths have been to single mothers, and the problem is, and our focus on the man march was, you know, I'm 56, Jim. I, You know, I'm a has-been. But the message that is going to the young people like you were visiting with in Eagle Butte yesterday, the message going to our teenagers is, is very dangerous, particularly for the future of manhood and the family unit, period.
1: Yeah. You know, and and what you're talking about is exactly why I got into this field. Mm. Um you know, a long time ago, I was studying, believe it or not, for the priesthood, trying to figure out what to do with my life. And just got a very clear message, this isn't what I'm supposed to do with my life. So I stepped out of that. And, you know, I went off on a, on a walk with just an incredible guy who had won international awards for the work he's done. And um, I asked this old guy, if you were to start over again, what would you do with your life? Great question. You know, he's very wise man. <laughs> and um, he looked at me and he said, you know, when I was growing up, this was the problem. This was a crisis that America was facing. And he just simply said, the number one challenge facing America today is is the disillusionment of the family. And if we don't do something to slow that down, we won't have a country anymore. And he just emphasized the reality that, that strong communities depend on strong families. Strong families could, are dependent on, on strong marriages. And so that's really what got me thinking and praying about that and making a commitment to say, Hey, I can't solve this. I'm certainly not a Messiah, but I do know what, what I can do and I can do concretely and help people learn to resolve conflict and encourage and invite people to be committed and to do away with the old saying, you know, is, is, it, you know, just being an in infant for the kids. Is that, is that enough to, to really, um, justify staying in a marriage? Um, you know, that's been really what's been my primary motivation to do this. Exactly.
0: What year was that conversation?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Would have been back in 1988. Um, and you're right. Even then family life was challenged and, and no doubt about it. This is the most difficult time in human history to retain an intact marriage. Um, you're right. We do a lot of crisis pregnancy and adoption work. <clears throat> we work with a lot of single moms. Um, we're trying to help those moms get a job skill or education. The number one predictor for poverty in America is a child raised in a single-parent household. And I'm not here blaming, blaming moms. Um, this is a mutual problem. Um, we've lost our sense of permanency and stability. And commitment, and the values that really built our nation. Um, this is the, you're a very wise man.
0: This uh, I want to just reiterate because when I share that, people are like Trent. She she's a good single mom. I'm not disputing that. What I'm disputing is that the dude that was involved shouldn't have just contributed his eight seconds and then left. There, there was a commitment here that was, that somehow fell apart and that's what we got to get to the bottom of. And you read my mind that we were talking about identifying this in 1988. And here we are in 2022 and it's only gotten worse. And if we look at the 1996 welfare act, which incentivized women to be single mothers and continue through the welfare system to pay them to not have a man in their life. And we see what's happening. And now I'm going to say what we're talking about today in terms of legalizing marijuana is the next step to try to decimate that family unit.
1: You know, And Trent, you know, I, I, I agree in with what you're saying in part here. And that, that is that certainly there's a lot of challenges and, and there's a lot of things that we try to do to solve problems and sometimes create more. Should we do an uplifting parents program? And in that program, we provide a very small stipend, about $200 a month, intensive case management for moms that have come out of, out of, of generational poverty. And we do that only if those moms are engaged in getting an education. And we have a, a, a group that, that it's called Leo, um, Lab for Economic Development. And their goal is to try and fight the issue of poverty and help people overcome poverty. And of those moms that apply to our program, they come in and are working full time, going to school full time and scrambling as hard as they can. And we have an 80% graduation rate. Mm-hmm. When those moms finish that program, <clears throat> they get a, most of them are becoming nurses. Some of them are becoming teachers. Uh, they get off Medicaid. That saves the state about $10,000 a year. Um, they get off, they get off food stamps and assisted housing and assisted child care and the profound positive, and to watch the pride and dignity. And I'm telling you what, these women work harder than I ever do. Um, and they do it out of a out of, out of sense that they want their kids to have a better future. And they do it because they really want to do what you and I really want to do, and that is to provide for our own kids and our own family. These are extraordinary women. And, um, you know, sometimes the support we offer, you know, it this is what I hear all the time. Oh, we've got to build more low-income housing. We've got to build lower, more low-income housing. You know, In Rapid City, we have about a two-year waiting list for low-income housing. And I finally said to a group of people, you know, the problem isn't that, that there isn't enough low-income housing. The problem is that when people get on that, they never get off. That's what the problem is. The tragedy is that we have 20-year-old young people, 25-year-old young people, That are signing up for low-income housing and hoping in two years they have help. Um, Those same moms we're talking about, those same dads we're talking about, when they go back to school and they get a degree that gives them a career and a pathway forward, or they even become a plumber or learn to weld, they come out light years ahead. Mm -hmm. You know, um, sometimes we need to look at ourselves as a bridge, not a highway.
0: (laughs) Oh, I'm totally stealing that, Jim Canyon, but I've got another issue. It's called the clock. We're going to continue this discussion and actually get to the marijuana issue in South. When we get back with more, we're all out after this. Right out of the shoot today, I'm going to remind you that life is powered by coal. We have coal as a, bount- a bountiful resource, there's plenty of it. Uh, We'd have no shortage, folks. Can we take the coal and produce electricity and reclaim the land? It's happening. Lignite.com for full details. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Trent Luce continuing our discussion here. And we are quite possibly talking about the topic, the most important topic. Gets gets swept under the rug. You were talking about the need for more low-income housing. It reminded me of a quote of my dear friend who I have on this very program every Monday. And it's his name is Hank Vogler. And he says, you know, these people, they seem to think that the problem or the way you fix an alcohol's problem, alcoholics problem is you buy him a liquor store. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's actually a a great parallel.
1: But um,
0: he says it much more eloquently than I do because he's been practicing for quite some time. So. There's so, oh, so many things that we could talk about. I'm just going to say this, because you were at Eagle Butte yesterday, and I I told Kelly this week, I am so blessed that we are, but particularly in what I'm doing today. Just so you know, Jim, I, I run about, spoken in 42 states in the last 15 months, and my wife runs the ranch, so we have cattle, pigs, and horses, so she's here and and keeps everything together, and our youngest daughter 17 but we lived on the Rosebud Indian Reservation for five years. And I actually started a pig farm that was supposed to be one of the economic drivers to bring that reservation out of poverty. And I learned so much. I learned so much about people. I learned about government. I saw two two class societies in action. And I was told as this white guy who moved into the Rosebud that all oh, the Indians are going to come drunk and they're ne- they're never going to show up on Monday and Tuesday. And I interviewed 117 tribal members from the Rosebud Sioux tribe to hire 17 people. And ultimately, the 17 people that I hired all told me about one thing. Tomorrow. 100 of them never had a thought about tomorrow. They had no sense of accomplishment. And what you spoke about just before we went to the break, there was no sense of pride because they had no ambition and no vision to see about tomorrow. And I got to tell you that there was one that came on a Monday morning drinking and uh, and not sober. He was fired in a heartbeat. I said, you're done. Get out, get in your vehicle and get out of here. And the other 16, Jim, lasted longer in that position than I did because I found 16 that had a, a pride and wanted to make a difference. And that's really what it comes back to pride. If you don't have pride in what you can accomplish, you're not going to be successful.
1: You know, and, and, you know, one of the realities and in, in oftentimes generational poverty is, is there's an immediacy and there's not necessarily a long-term view or a value. And, and again, you know, that's true of native and non-native people. And, and addiction is such an ugly disease. And and um, I've learned a lot about it, and and this is part of the reason. Um, there's a great saying, uh, actually, by Frederick Douglass: "It's easier to big, build strong kids than it is to fix broken men." Mm. Oh, and I spend a lot of time in my office, and and it's a privilege. It really is. I mean, I work with people who struggle with addiction and mental illness, and people who have had you know life. Um, experiences and grew up in childhoods without, without parents and had lived in chaos. Um, and, and, you know, for the most part, I'm amazed, you know, I step back and I, I'm in awe because, you know, some of us grew up in a normal household. And I'm not saying I grew up in a in, a, in an easy household. You know, my own dad died of addiction when I was eight. Um, but I had a mom and a dad and a grandma and grandpa and an extended family um, that stepped up for me and did extraordinary things and taught me a lot. And in and, and some ways taught me, you know, that not only does God loves me, but that he's given me gifts and talents. He's given me an opportunity and that he expects me to give life and love in the world in which I live. And, um, you know, that that's a rich childhood. Anyone that has that has a tremendously rich childhood and understanding that a lot of people don't have that. Um, you know, I, I understand a lot of people get really angry when when they drive by right here in Rapid City, literally two blocks from me is a, it's a McDonald's. And they have a sign up that says starting wage, $16 an hour. And right across the street frequently, we have people that are holding signs asking for people to give them money. And I know why people get angry about that, because that looks like that should be a natural marriage made in heaven. But those men and women that are holding those signs, they're broken men and women. Some of them are Vietnam vets that came through a trauma that I, that I don't know that I'll ever experience or have had a experience in, in their own childhood or they're addicts or they have serious mental illness and they've forgotten who they are and they've forgotten that they're gifted and they have enough disability. And really that's what this meant. That's, that's what standing in opposition to marijuana bill is all about. This drug is dangerous. It disables kids. And it disables some of them for a lifetime, and we've got enough broken men and women. And I work with some of them that live under bridges and kids at JDC, um, and sometimes people that walk into my office. And literally, we've had one that came in and he pumped a hand sanitizer and Dixie Riddlecump and drank it in our front office. Wow! These are folks whose life who who is uh, very very complicated. And for many of those people, that journey began with marijuana. We have drug pushers that are coming into our state that are going to tell South Dakota and North Dakota um, what what our drug laws ought to look like. And we know that if, if we allow that to happen, recreational marijuana will double the use rate of our kids. This damages brains permanently. This isn't what we stand for in South Dakota. It's not what we stand for in the Midwest. We have a different vision for our kids. We have a vision of kids who are strong and capable and clear-headed. We invest a tremendous amount of money in those kids because we believe in them. And we believe they're going to be the leaders in the future. We don't let drug pushers come into our house. We shouldn't let drug pushers come into our families. And we definitely need to keep them at bay in our communities. Because the states have adopted this are a mess. They're just a mess. Trent.
0: I drive through Colorado. Sorry, Jim, but I drive through Colorado and I see small communities that had vibrant businesses owned by individual families in that town. And now I see two or three marijuana dispensaries and nothing else.
1: And, And this is the dirty little secret that people don't talk about is, you know, we're, we're pretending like this is that we're, we're, we're doing an experiment. Um, the reality is, yeah, you're right. Anyone, this is, this is, this is the most common thing. We've got tons of people moving into Rapid City from Portland, from Washington DC, from the state of Washington, from, from, from LA, from San Diego, from San Francisco, all these cities that were once Missoula, Montana. These cities that used to be beautiful, um, proud cities are now have tent cities taking over their parks you walk you walk down the street in, in main street denver and it smells like marijuana and there's syringes all over the place this place these places have become a disaster um you, you know and, and they act like we're going to make all all this money again you know that somehow we think we we get to have money without earning it We think by, by allowing drug pushers to take over, our states are going to become wealthy. For every dollar that they take in a revenue for marijuana, they spend 4.5 in Colorado. 60% of the Colorado cities have outlawed the sale of marijuana in their communities. They don't, they don't, they don't want the money because they found out the cost, the cost to their family, their community, their parks. Their cities aren't safe anymore. And I, and I look and I step back and I go, you know, is is North Dakota and South Dakota going to buy this bill of goods? They put a lot of lipstick on that pig in South Dakota. They spent $1.6 million confusing our voters. And, you know, the good thing, Trent, is we're winning in the polls now.
0: Yeah.
1: It's we Initiative
0: lost, 27, right?
1: Yeah. we yeah. lost. We Vote lost no. a recreational marijuana bill two years ago because of the lies and confusion. But it's incredible. You know, and I keep saying this, they put a lot of lipstick on this pig and I don't need their $2.2 million to help clarify this. I need a napkin. Trent, if you give me a napkin, I can wipe enough lipstick off this pig. South Dakotans are still just a generation or two removed from the farm. And we know what a pig looks like and we know what one smells like. And Denver stinks. Rapid City does not need to become the next Denver, and neither does Bismarck. Our moms and dads have to wake up and get to our feet and do what do what you see a, a, a cow do when a coyote comes to, to attack her calf. We need to drive them off and tell them, get out of here. These are our kids, our families, and our community. Get out of here. Um, I think that's happening. It's
0: happening, and vote no on Initiative 27 in South Dakota. We'll take a break and be back with more Roll Routes after this. Let's remind you about the Wall of Honor. The Wall of Honor is a monitor that is put up in businesses. It's got its own hard drive. You submit your loved ones to be a part of the Wall of Honor. And we need a donation to can keep this, keep this thing rolling. All we're doing is saying thank you to those men and women, paying proper respect and honor to those that have gotten us to this point. Now it's our turn. TheWallOfHonor.org for full details. Welcome back, everyone. Trent Luce, another edition of Rural Route. Continuing to connect food producers to food consumers. Jim Kenyon, my guest today from Rapid City, South Dakota. Outpatient counselor. I now know exactly what that means, Jim. Thank you for that. (laughs) And the chair of South Dakota, protecting our kids. Protecting South Dakota kids. Protecting South Dakota kids. So last night, I met a friend of mine in Broken Bow, Nebraska, who happens to live at Lake Andes. And I brought this up, this ballot initiative, Initiative 27. And he was like, Trent, it, it, we already passed the marijuana bill. It's already legal. There's nothing we can do about it. I said, no, no, it's not, that's not right. You, you're going to have the opportunity to vote. So clearly, they're using their outside money to create confusion. What's the skinny on that, Jim? And what do people in South Dakota need to know about that?
1: Yeah, number one is, you know, they keep on saying this is the will of the people of the state of South Dakota. This ballot, this this very similar legislation came in 2006. And uh, in South Dakota, we resoundingly turned that down. And then they brought it again in 2010. And, and and the funny thing about it is, you know, they've come up with 20,000 votes. <laughs> so this time when they brought it around in 2000, they brought it back around in 2020, they understood that South Dakota understood the question, but they did a lot of confusion. Um, they, they they And they did it again yesterday, actually, just literally one of our local news stations just gave them like a five-minute commercial. I, I just couldn't even believe it, where they trot up this, this sheriff, this ex-sheriff who's no longer a sheriff. And, and he stands there and he makes a claim that the police uh, law enforcement officers are sick and tired of having to deal with minor uh, possession charges. And it's a waste of time. And and marijuana uh, smokers are actually pretty relaxed and they don't cause a problem. and They're, they're actually uh, the easiest to get along with people in the world. Now, that is such a lie that it is unbelievable to say because the South South Dakota uh, Policeman Association actually just gave us a $10,000 gift and endorsed the opposition. And the sheriffs across the state of South Dakota are our number one friends. I'm suspecting this guy is an ex-sheriff because I I suspect he probably lost his election. That's what I think. Um, That's immediately what
0: I thought, but go ahead.
1: But I'm just going to tell you, um, the law enforcement officers are simply saying, you cannot pass this. This is an unregulatable drug. You'll have people driving totally inebriated, and we'll pull them over. And, and And the only thing we'll be able to do is they'll test positive for marijuana. But we don't know if they smoked that an hour ago, a week ago, or a month ago. Hmm. So we have no idea if they're an impaired driver or not. Now, how are we going to take the people off the highway that are intoxicated or inebriated because in Colorado, they've increased their vehicular death rate um, due, to, due to substance use by 100% since they passed this law. There's no way to manage this. And I had I led literally a, a young police officer who moved to our state, of course, from Minnesota because of the chaos there. They don't want police there. We are happy to have them. I'm going to tell you right now, when I'm dealing with addiction, police officers are my best friend. They become the leverage that we need to get people in for treatment and to help them recover. I don't want to lock up drug abusers either. These are people that have 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 gifts and talents that are meant to bring into our community. And once you get them freed from their drug of choice, they can become incredible citizens and make great contributions. They're actually good people. That's what I do for a living. And literally, I spent my whole life begging for money to try and help these, these wonderful people. Get separated from their drug of choice and get the drug user out of their life, a, a, a drug pusher. And, and when you do that, it's amazing how how their sense of pride and dignity and their sense of worth returns. And then they actually feel like they have freedom back in their life. We don't want to enslave people and and incarcerate them who are drunk or struggling with with marijuana use or any other drug. Who want to we want them to become who they're created to be and who they really want to be too. Um, so, yeah, they present, they, this is the two lies. And every drug pusher says the same thing. And I can't believe some of us are dumb enough to fall for this. Every drug pusher you will ever know will tell you the same thing. I'm going to make you happy and free. How is it that I know their best consumers, Trent, and they don't look happy? And mm. They don't look free. Yeah. They're yeah, sl- they're enslaved is what they are. Yeah. You, you know, my mom taught me a long time ago, don't listen to drug pushers. <laughs> and well, and so-
0: see, here, herein lies the problem, though, Jim, because when when you say drug pusher, everybody's got that stereotype of a street drug, a street thug who's out there pushing drugs on kids or whoever, whatever. We now have, and this was a topic of discussion yesterday on this very program, because we have a drug problem in the United States. Not just any legal drug problem. We have a drug problem. Our oldest daughter is a registered dietitian. And she tells me that she talks to so many people today that they don't care about the diabetes. They just want the next pill. They want the next drug that's going to... Fix what they can screw up. They want to just eat what they want to eat and then get a pill to fix it. We have we've seen this through the medical community in the last three years, like never before. There's a drug that's going to fix it. We have a drug problem in the United States that does not stop at illegal drugs.
1: Yeah, my 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 one of my really good friends, the pastor, he says this. He says, you know, I go into the doctor and 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 I look at him and I sit there and say, you know, I, I'm a little overweight, my blood pressure is too high. He says, you know. I just want better living through drugs because lifestyle change is too difficult. Right. (laughs) You know, and he says that jokingly, but that is the reality. That is the reality.
0: I got to tell you, it's not a joke with my 23 year old who went to college to become a dietitian because she wanted to improve people's lives. And she's about to give up on humanity because she gets that statement to her every single day.
1: No, I, I, I hear you. And I understand that. And, you know, and I just met with just an incredible young woman who has been struggling with addiction mightily and and much of it related to marijuana. And she had a wake up um, and it was a lot of pain, a lot of pain. And immediately after that pain, when she got fired from her job, uh, um, unfortunately, she went on about a month bender and almost literally destroyed herself. And uh, someone that cared about her walked in her house and she said, are you about done with this now? And the woman said, yeah, yeah, I think I am. Hmm. And she took her to her mother's house. This young woman has celebrated yesterday 27 days of sobriety. And she's looking at me with hope. And, And she knows, just like all of us, you know, doing the next right thing is a lot of times dependent on the grace of God. And most of us just want to be better than we were yesterday. But drug pushers attach people to a substance that can destroy their life unless someone can help interfere with that relationship. And, and in the midst of that, they forget who they are. And am 27 has to go down in smoke. And Trent, there aren't any politicians standing up on this. You know, I'm, in South Dakota, I'm really grateful because there was a handful of politicians. Otherwise, you're right. A constitutional amendment that passed by popular vote was thrown out because the drug pushers knew when they wrote the bill, they were forewarned um, by our attorney general that this isn't going to pass constitutional muster. And we had literally, we passed through the Senate of the state of South Dakota, 80% re- Republican, right? Quote, conservative. We passed this bill through. And and it didn't pass the, vote, the House by four votes. And if our governor didn't have the courage to challenge this, along with two sheriffs from my county here, this, this bill would have passed. Unbelievably. Because a deceptive communication and misinformation campaign for millions of dollars for years. But we're waking up. Yeah, we're getting this right. Even Colorado is getting this right. You know, 60% of the municipalities in Colorado have outlawed the sale. They can't outlaw the use. But they've outlawed the sale because they've realized we don't want their money. Because this is destroying our families.
0: The The other challenge that I see, Jim, and, and this is not Colorado, South Dakota, Nebraska, or North Dakota, explicit this is across the nation there's too many people in the mindset well there's no need fighting it it's going to happen anyway
1: oh no no way Trent everyone every mom and dad in South Dakota and North Dakota need to get to their feet and get to our websites and we need to stand up for our kids our families and our communities we have to be real clear told you that my mom helped me learn a lot about this Never forget, one day we came back from church, Easter Church, and we came home. And I was riding in the car with my mom and my sister. My mom leaned forward, or my sister leaned forward to my mom. and She said, you know, Dad's, Dan's riding with the kid. That that kid's a drug pusher, Mom, and you need to know that. That kid's a drug pusher. And he spent a lot of time with our brother, and I don't think that's a good thing. We got home. My mom stood by the door, and she waited for those two to come to that door. That young man came in looking good, like just like the slick uh, um, lobbyists are selling this across our nation. She grabbed that kid by the tie, and she walked him right out the front door. She looked him in the face, and she said, I heard you sell pot. Do you smell pot? Do you sell pot? He said uh, he didn't really answer. He just shook his head. My mom asked him again, and he didn't really answer. And She said, you smell like pot. If you clean up your act, you can come back in my house. But I don't let drug pushers in my house. And she walked back in the house, in my house. My brother was standing right next to me. My mom, my brother said to my mom, That was real Christian of you, mom. We just got back from church. My mom snapped and looked at him, and she said, in no uncertain terms, kindness of sin is not charity. Don't you ever bring a drug pusher back in my house. In the Midwest, we can remember those things. If we can get a little lipstick off this pig, and I need people to go to protecting South Dakota kids, and I need them to read and learn, and I need them to give us some money, because I'm standing with a chalkboard trying to educate people, and they've got a $2.2 $2. $2 million megaphone. Uh, get, get, get our moms and dads back to their feet, and they'll defend their kids if they understand that this is a law pushed by drug pushers, and we don't let them write our, write, write our drug laws. That's a bad plan for both states roll out we'll be back with the last segment on a red shirt friday after this when i have
0: over the years shared the information because people want to be critical of nitrates people want to be critical of estrogen i'll tell people that you you're worried about your bacon or your ham because it's cured and it might have nitrates but you flock to eating leafy greens because leafy greens are the highest level of nitrate possible. And you know what the first question that person always asked me, how do they get them in there? How do they get them in there, Nathan? <laughs> well, they're, they're cured, right? They're cured vegetables and vegetables
1: actually cure many diseases. So it's like your bacon's cured. You know, I wrote a paper called uh, nitrite, the cure for chronic disease. So just like nitrite, nitrate cure meat and prevent, you know, lipid oxidation and prevent, you know, food spoilage and bacterial infections and bacterial overgrowth in the food. They do the same thing to us. They cure a lot of things because they improve nitric oxide, they improve oxygenation, they prevent oxidation, inflammation, and immune dysfunction.
0: You want to live a cured life? Take a nitric oxide supplementation every day like I do. NO2U.com. It's NO2U.com. Put Trend as your coupon code and you win big favors because you get free shipping and a 10% discount. Welcome back. Welcome back. Roll route. Trent Loose alongside Jim Kenyon joining us from Rapid City. Breaking every rule ever made on a roll route. And there's only ever been two rules on roll route, Jim. And you're breaking them. Number one, <laughs> you pick on the host as often as possible because most people just tune in and see who picks on Trent the most. And number two, you don't talk about the topic during the break. And you're horrible about that. You just go through the breaks, continue to roll off this stuff that people need to know.
1: Yeah, sorry about that. If you could I'm, only I'm, get
0: passionate about this issue, I think you'd be
1: effective. Yeah, yeah, well, let me tell you, don't mess with our kids. You know that, right? I mean, when people come and they mess with your kids, you're they, they're they're gonna they're gonna get the they're gonna get, the, they're, gonna get the, they're gonna get the they're gonna get the horn, and that's what we're gonna do. Um, we're waking up people in South Dakota, and I'm gonna tell you, there are some drug lobbyists that are gonna get their cans kicked but it's got to happen quick cuz i got 25 days. We've got 25 days and i've got the best group of volunteers. I've got about 8 people that are working nights, weekends and holidays. I have a guy that's calling former former um um uh person that used to be the the uh, for for Dennis Dugard, he used to be their chief of staff. He's calling 8 hours a day and he's a volunteer. Wow. Uh, it's unbelievable. Uh, it, it, there's a, there's a dedicated group And when we start talking to folks, like I said, you know, the good news is, you got the best listeners in the country. It's our rural community that understands this. And they love their kids and their country and our state more than anything. So,
0: Jim, here's the question that obviously you get a lot. And I think about it myself. And I think I answered the question myself. But. Uh, I enjoy a good beer on a regular basis, you know, like one a day or something. And we fall into this trap that this that's just another drug. So you can manage your beer consumption so you can manage your marijuana use too. Is there a difference?
1: There's a huge difference because the marijuana that we were talking about in the 60s and 70s had between one and three THC levels. The average marijuana THC level you find in Colorado Is between 15 and 20. And this drug allows for the sale of a concentrated form, concentrated forms that are between 70 and 99% pure THC. This drug is creating psychosis. This drug is creating serious depression. This drug has increased 23% the suicide rate in Colorado. The number one drug in people's system that commits suicide in Colorado. It's it's not meth and it's not alcohol. It's marijuana. This drug is dangerous and it has changed tremendously. And you know, they always try and frame us as if we're prohibitionists. Try, I'm a Catholic. You, you know what the joke is about Catholics, right?
0: I know a lot of jokes about Catholics. Most okay. of them I tried to come up with myself.
1: Well, here's one of them. And I'm telling you, the evangelicals get all over this deal. <laughs> I'm telling you, they're the ones that told me. Wherever two or more Catholics are gathered, there's usually a fifth.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I actually have not heard that one, but I'm going to no. repeat
1: it. Anyway, and go and ahead. I'm going to tell you, if you come to my house, and I'd love to have you, I'll guarantee you, you'll find out I'm not a prohibitionist. But the question isn't, should there be a line? Who in their right mind would think we should legalize heroin? Nobody in their right mind would think that. So the question isn't, should there be a line? The question is, where should that line be? Mm-hmm. And the science is clearly indicating it's well before marijuana. Um, this is a very destructive drug, and it targets the brain. It targets the brain. Alcohol usually gets to the liver, right? We know that. But we don't need impaired drivers. We don't need impaired children. We don't need to lower their IQ eight, eight points. You know, I barely got through school, Trent. I wasn't a good student. On marijuana, I would have never passed a math class. Um, I would have been a disaster, and I would have been one of those broken men.
0: Yeah. I have, Actually, Jim, I've seen quite a few video presentations, They're like x-rays, actually, not videos, but x-rays of what the brain does after limited marijuana use, not even long-term marijuana use. And if a percentage of what I saw is true, that in itself is enough to stay away from.
1: Trent, Dr. Amen has done thousands of brain scans of marijuana users. And their entire frontal lobe is shut down. And, and, and there's a whole medical reason behind that. You know, and we can get into all the details of that. Um, but, you know, when I do data dumps, I just bore people to death. Mm-hmm. I tell them about working with a fourteen-year-old girl who's selling herself for drugs for marijuana.
0: Fourteen, and
1: and and and, and or when I tell them about the twenty-year-old little girl or twenty-year-old young woman who 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 came back from Chicago, um, back actually the Rosebud Indian Reservation, I did a psyche val on her, and she smoked. She she got four gummies out of a pack from Colorado. She flipped out. She lost time. She was like in a time warp. She had sex with six men that night. And when she woke up the next day, naked, laying on a floor, she was so ashamed of herself that she couldn't go home to face her dad. She tried to kill herself. She tried to kill herself. You know, this young woman, is. when I, when I called her dad to say, you know, she's in Rapid City Regional. This is not a long-term holds facility. Our, our drug and alcohol treatment program down in Yankton is overflowing already. We can't get anybody in. I couldn't get her in for six days. So I called the dad to say, we, you know, I think we're going to have to release her. Can you keep her safe? This poor dad was bawling, begging me to keep her. He knows she needs treatment. She knows she needs treatment. She needs help. This is someone's daughter. This is a beautiful Native American woman who really could, could make a great contribution. But She started smoking marijuana when she was 14 and 15 years old. Now, maybe we can get her through treatment. Maybe she can she can get back on track. But, yeah, th- these are real people. These aren't numbers or data. These are real human beings, trying, and they matter. And they should matter to all of us.
0: So, yeah. Jim, I've spent a lot of time in the last couple of months identifying and uh, verifying that we have a significant traffic of uh, illegals coming in from the southern border that originate in Iraq and that there's direct flights now to Venezuela. Venezuela has training camps on how to come to the United States and cause terrorism. And most of the illicit drugs, you know, the hard drugs that we think are a problem, uh, crack and, and what, I don't even know what they all are, to be honest are coming in and they're trying to use that to cause disruptions to the family life, to the United States, to bring chaos, to create addiction so that we are more vulnerable. What's most problematic about our conversation today is that I never put it into context that, yeah, we, we can see that from an Iraq or Afghanistan challenge in Venezuela trying to bring down the United States but marijuana business is not an export business, not an import business. This is American citizens growing it for other American citizens. Is It's a completely different thing when we're doing it to ourselves. It doesn't make it good in either way, shape or form. Or we have some foreign terrorist organization trying to do it. These are American people doing this.
1: Yeah, Tran, That's why, that's why I, see, I keep saying to you, our rural communities understand this. And your listeners are the best listeners to hear this because you understand this. Um, there are some people that will crap in their own nest for a profit. Yeah. Uh by the you way know what?
0: by the way, you you've been wanting to be critical, Jim Kenyon, of the pig since we started this, putting lipstick on a pig, but it still stinks and smells. You know what a pig won't do? <laughs> I've cared for a million of them, literally a million of them in my lifetime. They at least go somewhere else to crap. They don't crap in their own nest.
1: You know, I'm saying to you all (laughs) this is what I'm saying to you, getting your voters out. We if if we can get your voters out, I I can only tell you, I I just can't wait because we are going to kick the can of drug pushers from out of our state and tell them to go home and leave us alone. If you want to smoke pot, there's a lot of states you can smoke pot. But we're not going to allow that in the state of South Dakota and call that recreation. That's a wreck. And that's destroying our own people. We're better than that.
0: We don't prostitute
1: our kids for a profit.
0: You know, you actually bring up something that we needed to accomplish before we're out of time. And now we're down to two minutes, just so you know. In your mind, is there a medicinal benefit? I'm not talking about recreational now because we've been convinced that there are ca- cancer patients there are people that have benefit from medicinal use of marijuana.
1: Yeah. The key I would just say to you is just look at the studies and talk to physicians. I'm this over noon hour. I'm going to interview seven, seven doctors, three of them. are working in emergency rooms. Um, two of them are pediatricians. A couple of them that do general practice. The, the medical community, the medical association itself has come out publicly and said they're, they're very limited use, very limited use. And there are extracts you can get from from the marijuana product that don't include THC that can that can be very effective. But if we think there's a handful of people that could smoke marijuana while they're dying of cancer and and, and, and finish their life, you know people can have that debate. But you can't have this debate. This debate's ridiculous. And the medical and science community has made very clear. If there is any use, it's very limited. But what we've passed for a medical marijuana bill, there's no dosage. Mm. There's no doctor follow-up. There's no, there's no, what, what other mood altering drug do we release into society without having some medical intervention or supervision? None. None. There just isn't. Well, you can't even have a food,
0: a nutritional food released into society without providing a plethora of information. But, Jim, we're out of time. Once again, where do you want people to go? And if you got five bucks, please go to log on there and donate. Where do you go?
1: Protectingsouthdakotakids.com. And I don't know what the coalition is in North Dakota, but we need as many moms and dads to get to their feet, to do the right thing here. And so go to ProtectingSouthDakotaKids.com. There's tons of information there, but there's also an opportunity. This has to be a grassroots level. Stand up. So just need to say thank you to you. Um, Thank you to the radio stations that are helping to carry us. And, you know, pray for us because all good things, all good things start when we call on the divine to help lead us. Therein lies the moral of the story. We need a grassroots
0: movement to keep weed away from our kids. Jim, God Kenyon, bless you. My Thank pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, good to visit with you. We've successfully journeyed down the road connecting food producers to food consumers. All roads do lead to a rollout. More details about the Certified Piedmontese Beef Experience and the gifting opportunity as the holidays are coming. Go to CertifiedPiedmontese.com, Certified Piedmontese, or just com.